Good night, good night, ladies and gentlemen. Damien Charles here again. It is... What's today? I can't even keep track of the days of the week because the days are flying by way too fast. Alright, so today's June 23rd. It's Tuesday. And... So like I said before, I'm trying to figure out the schedule. I'm getting a little bit better at it. So I'm going to try and do Tuesdays and Thursdays for the days in which I'll release content. Um, who knows? I might rev it up. Who knows? I might go down to like once a week again, seeing how things spin. But <clears throat> again, forgive me for clearing my throat. But it all depends on how my schedule allows it. You know, from work, I hit the gym. Um... Then I might have some errands to run. Then I got to come home, spend time with the family. And from then it's like, am I going to, am I going to do a cast tonight? I, am I going to research some content? Am I just going to rant and rave? Am I going to schedule time to have a podcast with somebody else? I don't know. So tonight's going to be another night. Like I said from uh, last week, I'm going to be touching base on... What else has been going on in the world, I should say. Because I was mainly going to make it just about the whole George Floyd situation. But then we had the, um, the, 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 I can't remember what, I think it was Richards. Something Richards. The one who got, I'm watching the news nonstop and I can't remember people's names. But a guy who got shot by the cops for drunk driving in the Wendy's. Um, it's a little bit with him. Then you have... And people are constantly like the the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, the police brutality. To me, it's all one and the same. It's all lumped together as one. The only thing that kind of stands out a little bit differently is the George Floyd situation, and there's only really a slight difference in my eyes. Um, I make sure I point out those differences again. I want to say this is just my point of view, my perspective. If you disagree with it, hey, you're entitled to do so. Um, Everybody views things differently, so, but I kind of bring it back to a, a wider scope of what's going on in the perspective of parenting, what's going on in the perspective of individuals' decision making and choices. You know. <clears throat> First and foremost, let me start off by saying I'm incredibly blessed to have two parents in my life. All right. Now, not only were they in my life, they were actively in my life. They were married while they were in my life. They both raised me and my siblings. And I'll even go as far as to say like they assisted in the raising of other people's kids just by being good members of the communities in which they existed in. And... Overall, overall, good Lord, overall, just good individuals. They, they had their faults, just like any other individual would. But, you know, every anytime you get asked that question, like, who's your hero? Who do you look up to most uh, in history? Who do you idolize? And there's a lot of people that can come to mind. But for me, the first people that come to mind is my parents. And for some people, it may sound like a, may sound like a cliche. But for me, honestly, it really is my parents. Because I've seen these two individuals go through hell from the outside world. Go through hell within their own families. And go through hell from each other. 
Now, they were good parents. They tried to keep as much as they could behind closed doors. But, you know, when you have a very tight-knit family, there's only so much you can really leave out. And this episode isn't really much about them. Um, the reason why I say I'm thankful that I had those parents is because I have been given a perspective on life that a lot of individuals have not been given. And people who grow up in, like, single-parent households, you know, and then people who grow up where both their parents are in their lives, but the parents just aren't working together, you know? It's it's not that team or unit, that, that nuclear family idea, all right, isn't really centered in their life, and they didn't really have that growing up. I was blessed with that. I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. <clears throat> and how I kind of relate that towards what we see going on right now. I've, I've spoken to family members about it, especially my father. No, my father, especially my brothers. I said it repeatedly with them. Like, my brothers and I, we kind of talk about what's going on back and forth because it's kind of in our face. You know, when I get home from work, I talk to my brother over the phone about one thing, and then sometimes I'll talk to my other brother about the other thing. I want, um, and I kind of want to get my sister's perspective on it, even though we have the same parents. It's just we've all our parents were wise enough to recognize that even though we're siblings, we're all individuals. We're all our own character. We have our own personalities, and therefore. My mother, especially, she had to recognize different parenting skills had to be applied to each child. But at the end of the day, her parenting style didn't change. Or should I say, I don't know how to really put it. I should probably say the style had to change, but she still used the same skill. Or the skills maybe had to be the same and the style changed based on each kid. Real parents know that. And I'm not trying to downplay any parent out there. I'm not trying to, 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 excuse me for saying this, I'm not trying to shit on any parents. But real parents know that every single kid is different. You get 15, 20 kids, and you know a real parent would know that every single kid is different. And once you cross like five, I think you're having a hard time keeping track of them, <laughs> the monsters. But parents back in the day, they did that. But real parents know that each kid is an individual. And they're going to have different wants and different needs, different strengths and different weaknesses. And through parenting them, you're going to figure that out. Now, if you're a single parent, it's going to be a harder, you got a much harder time doing that. When you have to be the parent, all right, where you're the nurturer, caregiver, healer, teacher, mentor, provider, protector, you're filling all those roles at once, you are spread thin. And everybody knows that when something is spread fit thin, it doesn't do a good job covering all the bases very well. Some parents can do it very well. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on single parents. I'm not going to. But there's a benefit to having two parents. Hands down, there's a benefit to having two parents. When you have two parents, you multiply the resources that can be given. You multiply the time, or in terms of like providing more time for your kids. You multiply resources. If you have two parents working, that's more money coming in the house. That's more resources for the kids. You know, if one's working and one's home with the kids, then you multiply the attention that the kids are getting. 
you know, if both are home and Monty's coming in somehow, well, now you've just doubled the amount of attention the kids are going to be getting. <clears throat> you doubled the opportunity for the kid to see life from multiple perspectives. And some people have the debate of like, oh, gay couples versus straight couples. I'm not going to get into that one right now, but I'm just looking at as an overall of having two parents versus having one parent. And again, I'll stress this because some people may hear this and be like, why are you shitting on single parents? I'm a single mother. I'm a single father. I do it all. I get it all done. You know, my kids in my world and I make it work. Hey, if you do it and you do a good job, props to you. Round of applause. All right. And they'll say very same single parents will come back and say, you know, there are a lot of kids who grew up with both parents in their lives and the kid still comes out shitty. Hey, that happens. I'm not I'm not an absolutist on anything. All right. The only absolutist I am on, the, the only thing that I'm an absolutist on is that you're probably going to die. That, that's an absolute. That's a given. <laughs> All right. That's the only absolutist thing I could be on. I could probably find some more later on, but I'm just telling you right now, I'm not an absolutist on anything. But what I do recognize using common sense is that two heads are better than one. Sometimes those two heads can be confrontational. And the conflict could be worse than one head. But majority of times, two heads are better than one. So that's another brick I'm putting on top of this this, this foundation I'm building up to. Where I'm looking at a society right now. And I'm trying to, to, to map out the generations correctly. You know, I think it's the millennials. Is the parents, well, not the parents, but the millennials right now are supposed to be in like the late 20s to, let's say 25 to 35 range. I think that's where the millennials are. I could be wrong. All right. Some people are saying the millennials are all the way from like the 20 year olds all the way to the 40 year olds right now. I don't know. But the majority of the adults in our, and I stress adults in our society right now are supposed to be like the millennials. Don't get me wrong. You have the, um, the greatest generation, the baby boomers in there. Um, but I'm kind of looking at how things kind of turned out for the millennials. And they're, they're a weird generation. It's a, it's a weird generation. All right. That's the first thing I got to say about that. The generation that had, I'm not going to say the most amount of technology, but was exposed to the fastest growing rates of technology. If we look at the way in which tr technology exploded and transformed from the 80s to 2010, we look at that 30 year span. And we saw not just phones, we saw cell phones go from the size of a whole telephone booth to something smaller than the palm of your hand in 30 years. And if you look in history, nothing else has really boomed that fast. There probably might be a few things. But the reason why I bring that up is that the millennial generation is a generation that's been experiencing an intimate connection with technology that constantly changes. So it makes their generation the most transforming generation, I would kind of say. 
and I could be getting this horribly wrong. You probably have some uh, sociologists, the 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 study, the, the those who study professors of studying society. They might say otherwise. You have your techies that are probably say otherwise. I'm just calling it as I see it, and I'm only a human being. I could be horribly wrong, but that's what it looks like to me. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> I'm not holding the millennials responsible for what's kind of going on. I'm kind of holding the parents of the millennials responsible for what's kind of going on. Because I think after the greatest generation, I think that was coming out of World War One and World War Two, they transformed the world in such a way where there was an abundance of growth. There was an abundance of opportunity. There was a, an overall abundance. Some parts of the world were still pretty shitty. But if you really want to just look at it from, a, from the perspective of America, America's economy kind of just shot up like there was no tomorrow. I'm not going to call particularly years and dates. Mainly because, one, I didn't do it. I got inundated with so much information, so much conflicting dates where it's like, oh, well... In 1960, this, that, the other, and it was the Great Depression that then led to this, and that, I'll make a hit, uh, episode that's going to go more in detail of that. The reason why I'm kind of just laying this foundation for me, I'm going to get into with the George Floyd thing, so bear with me. And the reason why I say it's like it's mostly bad parenting, it's. If we look at cavemen, and bear with me on this example, first caveman and woman, their whole perspective was just shelter, security, water, food, you know, get the essentials. I think it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, however he phrased it in terms of shelter being a form of security, your food. All right, your clothing, those things, your, your basic necessities. The first cavemen focused on that. So then when they had their kids, they made sure their kids had those things immediately. So then those kids would then make sure they just made it easier to get these things. And the next kids would make it sure it's easier for their kids and make it easier for their kids and make it easier for their kids. So we're looking at the generations that made it constantly progressively easier and easier and easier and easier for the upcoming generation so that's when looking at the greatest generation like i was explaining this to my dad grandpa's generation did so much ass kicking they did such a great job that your generation had nothing else to do but have kids and have a good time so that's the way how i'm looking at it if I'm, I'm 29 years old, all right, so let's just say your dad is like 30 years old, older than you. Like the average age where parent, people tend to get married and have kids is like 25 to 35. So your, your dad's like about, let's just say 30 for the sake of just keeping the number simple. Your dad's 30 years older than you, all right? So when his dad was 30 years older, is 30 years older than him. So your grandfather did such a good job, you know, Rapidly expanding communications, developing technologies, and making the, the, the infrastructure of the country and the job market so readily available for your parents 
So when your parents inherited everything, they didn't go through as much struggles as your grandparents did. And if you listen to your parents, your parents will tell you how hard your grandparents were on them. Like my grandfather, he worked all the time and then we had all these chores to do. And he was a man who didn't mix matters and didn't play games. You know, he was up at at four o'clock in the morning. He didn't go to bed till till 11 o'clock at night because at the time he got up, he went and he handled the farm animals and then you know they'll say a whole bunch of different stories like he was a man who didn't mix matters he he worked two jobs and did all these different things they'll tell you all the, the the crazy stuff like oh my grandfather he was in this war in vietnam and when he came back he still held down a job and put food on the table and it was like he was a real tough bastard you know they'll say this kind of stuff about your grandfather or, or probably even your great-grandfather and then you ask your father, like, what did he do? Well, he, he got a job, a good job, all right, depending on where you were in society. He got a job, and that job allowed him to have an excess of stuff. It was no longer buying a, a three-bedroom house. It was like more like buying a four-bedroom house. It was no longer buying a two-bedroom house. It was more like buying a three- or four- or five-bedroom house. You know, you grew up if you grew up entitled enough, all right, where everybody in the house had their own room. You know, the millennials had a lot. Everybody had a computer or a laptop or a cell phone. You know, I remember cell phones were blowing up. This is when I was in Trinidad. When cell phones were blowing up, um, I got a cell phone when I was what? I want to say... I really want to say probably like 14. I can't remember. I can't remember. But we got cell phones in our in our like teenage years. Some of them got them in their like early teenage years. Some got in their later teenage years. We got cell phones like boom in your hand. Like if you talk to your parents, they'll tell you like oh, we we never had cell phones. We had like beepers and pagers. We had like the really big block bulky cell phones. Where I was like, it wasn't even worth it to call. You rather might as well just use a goddamn payphone, or go inside a building and actually use their public phone. So, there was an abundance for your parents to raise you with abundance. Now, when it came in terms of raising kids, I think grandparents' generation, all they really wanted to do was just like. Make sure the kids were fed, clothed, and they knew how to read and write. They, 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 they did their chores, and they tried to make sure they did better than what we did. That was their whole objective. And I don't care what you do as long as you're the best at it. You know, don't get a job that doesn't make money. All right? If you're going to get into the family business and you're going to do these things, you, you're going to get out of the ghetto. You're going to, whatever it is you got to do, all right? You just had to make sure that your the whole objective was preparing your parents' generation for work. And when I say your generation, I'm talking about people who are in my age group. <clears throat> so now you have the parents who are like, they come out and it's like, okay, get a job, have a family. Get a job, have a family. They get a job, whether it's a good job or a bad job, but they get a job. And they are now trying to figure out like how to raise kids, like all parents do like all individuals do they try to figure out how to do the whole family thing now the older generation from what i've been told to be like after they they probably had like 10 
seven, eight, nine, ten kids. Who knows how many kids they had? They they didn't. TV wasn't as popular back then, so they had nothing else to do <laughs> but make kids. All right. And it was straight up tell you, it was like, just tell them what to do. Make sure they get it done. Hey, kids have to listen to their parents. You know, a lot of parents are like, you get, sometimes you you are in charge of these kids' lives. You are God to those kids. All right. They have to obey you at all costs. And it's like kind of like, you know, relating it back to like the caveman situation. Like if you didn't listen to the head caveman, whether it was a man or a woman in that cave, if you didn't listen to the leader, you're good. You're as good as dead. All right, because they experienced a lot more than you have, and they just basically wanted you to survive. So they gave you all the information that they had, their experiences. They tried to download onto you as best as possible to maximize your survival. And if you didn't listen to them, they could just probably just kick you out of the cave, and you you'd suck trying to fend. You you'd probably live a very short life trying to fend on your own, fend for yourself. So, saying all that. Right, and bear with me on these examples. Uh, I, my brain kind of goes all over the place at once, and it's been a long day. So back to what I was saying in terms of your parents having all this abundance and then having these quick and easy solutions to almost all their problems. You know, a lot of parents just wanted to make sure the kids were happy all the time. Was, I just want to have my kids to be happy. I don't want my kids to grow up the way how I grew up. I want to be a better parent than how my than how my parents were. They were strict and they were hard and they didn't care and they didn't listen and they never had a chance for us to 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 to, to experience happiness and and pursue our dreams and everything like that. So we want to make sure our kids have it better than us. We want to give our kids more than what we had. We want to make sure our kids are happier than we were. And they just want to give and give and give and give and give and give and give. So, here's why I kind of relate that to the single parent versus two parent households. Alright? So, we have the single parent households who are limited on resources. Then you may have the two parent households who have excessive amount of resources. So, they just want to constantly give their kids things. So, we have those two types of parenting right there. Alright? Well, two types of parents right there. I shouldn't say parenting as yet because that's what I'm going to get to. And then you have the 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 the, the third group I kind of classify as the group where it's like they couldn't quite know what they were doing with their kids. <laughs> All right, whether they, it was a, a single parent and they were okay, it was two parents and they weren't okay. They just either they're too busy to raise their kids. Or they just constantly left it up to the daycare, left it up to public schools. You know, we, we all know those kind of parents. They're there, but they're not really there. <clears throat> the reason why I bring up these kind of parenting styles that I've noticed, and I'm saying the problems, some of the problems, I can't say all, but the problem I'm seeing right now with this quote-unquote millennial generation, is we have a generation, and don't get me wrong, it's it's per, it's it's leaking out into the next generation, my kids' generation. It's leaking out onto them as well. I think it's called Gen Z, whatever they call themselves. It's leaking out into them as well. 
where we see this failure of parenting. People don't respect authority. They don't recognize who's in control, what's right from what's wrong. Common sense is missing. You know, we constantly hear the, the older heads talk about like, you know, common sense is not so common with these younger kids. Yeah, the older heads say that a lot. And you have some you know, some people around my age say the same thing. Even to people in their own generation of their own age group. And I'm trying to look at how the parenting took place. So we're going to look at these, these types of parenting that took place. We had the single parents who just probably didn't have enough time to do parenting because they had, their time was consumed with providing. You know, when the kids go to school, you go to work. By the time you come home, then you have to really deal with the kids. But the kids really need your time, love, and affection. So they're going to get that time, love, and affection from elsewhere, whether it's their peers, whether it's the TV, whether it's the technology. And it's very easy for kids to get lost in the World Wide Web, especially in the 90s and early 2000s. All right, I was a I was an online kid myself. It was like you go on the internet and you could look up and find anything. Not to mention cable was running twenty four seven with millions of channels for your kid to watch anything and have anything go into their brain. So yeah, the single parents who just just didn't have the time to be both parents and providers. All right, and again, not knocking you guys, but I'm saying when your when your resources are limited or when your resources are stretched your parenting skills will be stretched as well. Then you have the excessive parents who just give and give and give and give and give and give. They have all this money, all these resources, all this wealth, all this time. It's like, uh, what do you want, son? Okay, you can have this. What do you want, daughter? You can have this. What do you want, baby? You can have that. What's that? You can have this. You're crying? Let me get you this. What do you want? 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 Sometimes they're even buying gifts for their kids and the kid didn't even ask for crap. It's like that's the only way they know how to de to deal with their kids. Just give them stuff. Uh, I I just want you to be happy. I just want you to do, 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 do any challenge that you may face. I'm gonna cover the challenge for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover your problems for you. What the teacher was being mean to you at school. I'm gonna get you. I, screw that teacher. I'm gonna get you a private tutor. I'm gonna give you. 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 Then you had the parents who were like, I don't know how to be a parent. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm going to read these books and get advice on parenting for people from no, from people who don't even have kids. And I look at those parents, and this is, I'm going to use this example. You ever been in a relationship and you ask your single friends for advice on the relationship? And I always like to make the joke about girls always ask their other girlfriends on how to keep a man, but none of her friends have men as well. And they're quick to give her advice. Girl, you got to do this. Girl, you got to do that. And don't get me wrong. The guys do it too. All right? Like, you may be a guy going through a relationship and you go to your single boys and it's like, yo, what do I do with this girl? And they'll all tell you these, a, a million and one different things. But they don't have relationships. It's amazing how many books were written by psychologists and psychiatrists, children psychologists and children psychiatrists and how to parent your kids and how to be a good parent to your kids when they didn't even have kids. Kind of blew my mind. I mean, you could probably grow up in a study constantly. You know, I, oh, we, I, I study in a daycare and I've been watching child psychology from this age and from that age and this age and that age. That's all fine and dandy. Did you have kids though? How can you practice what you preach when you don't have kids? Uh, that That's one thing that kind of blew me away. When you look at some of these books. And don't get me wrong. Some of these books are. Some of them have some good advice. 
Some of them are written by people who have kids. I'm not going to condemn them all. But there were a lot of parents who were reading a lot of books from people who didn't even have kids. And it was kind of blowing my mind when I was looking up some of these things. Or they were getting advice from people who didn't even have kids. <clears throat> it was like it was it was kind of weird for me, especially when I had my first kid, like going to the pediatrician and like they're gonna load my kid up with all these injections and all these shots, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, can't she just experience these things on her own? Do we have to really be constantly sticking needles in the kid? And the doctor was like, Hey, I hear you. There are a lot of parents who come in here like this. Hey, all my kids got these shots as well. I wouldn't give your kids something that I myself didn't take. You sold me. <laughs> That's how we put it. I hear a lot about the anti-vaxxing. I hear a lot about the, the pro-vaxxing. I hear a lot of different sides on it. I only listen to the people that got kids. And here's what. If they took the vaccines and, and, and their kids got messed up, all right, and they come back and say, don't take the vaccines, okay, I'll listen to that person. But if you don't got a kid and you're going to come up and tell me don't take the vaccine, you don't even have a kid? I mean, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think you need to sit this one out and let the people who actually experience certain things speak to me. Right? That's just how I view that scenario. That's an example I'm giving you right there. And the way in which how some of these, these non-parents were giving parenting advice. So you had these, these... And a lot of their parenting advice was so weird when you sat down and you just thought about it for a couple of seconds. It's like, you should be able to let the kid do whatever they want. Until when? Oh, forever. What? It's like, yeah, you want to be, you want to be very proactive in their lives. Encourage them to, to, to chase after certain dreams, and you want to encourage them to like take a lot of uncalculated risks. You got to let them go out into the world and experience the world with no fear. And I'm like, on the outside, it sounds okay. It's like, you know, I'm encouraging my child. Um, I'm, I'm letting them see the world, and they're gonna go out into the world. But then. At, at no point in time did a, uh, uh, a light go off in their head. It was like, I'm an adult. I saw what the real world is like. The real world ain't that friendly. It's not going to be very kind and caring to someone who's just out there chasing their dreams. We hear like messed up stories about that all the time. And I want to curse so bad. But I'm going to try and control my tongue because I want almost everybody to be able to, to listen to this. So if I do curse in this, I apologize. <clears throat> But it's like, did that not register to you that some of this advice shouldn't be followed to to the T? You take it with a grain of salt. So you had these three three groups. Of, coming back, I'm bringing it back full circle. You had these three groups of parents. Whether you go to a black community, a white community, Hispanic community, an Asian community, a Norwegian community, no matter what community you go to. If you apply these scenarios to the kids, the kids are going to grow up with a particular perspective on life. And that perspective may not be a good one. I'm not going to say it's going to be a horrible one. It's not going to be the worst one. But it may not be a good one. So for the parents who just didn't have the time to really raise their kids, your kids are going to grow up with a lack of appreciation of things. All right? The parent didn't have, they didn't show me enough time and didn't give me enough attention, so I'm going to lash out or do crazy things to get the attention I need. Whether it's good attention or bad attention, we all know the kind of kids who did that. We all know what kind of adults they grow up to be. And we're seeing that now. The same thing goes for the kids who just had the parents who just said, gimme, 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 gimme. I'll give you everything you need. 
So what happens to a kid like that? They're going to grow up with their parents giving them everything and they're going to expect society to replicate that for them. My parents did everything for me. All right? Solutions, I shouldn't have to solve any complex problems. I shouldn't have to get my hands dirty. I shouldn't have to work hard. Everything's been given to me. So I should have things given to me. And then they're the same type of kids that if they didn't get their way, they threw a tantrum and then they got their way. And we see those kids now in society as well. All right? Healthcare should be free. Education should be free. Hey, I very much would love these things to be free. But at the end of the day, kids have to understand things come from somewhere. When you don't teach your kids things come from somewhere, they're never going to grow up to think that things come from somewhere. And you see these kids in society now. And I can't tell you how... Wow. How... Hmm, I can't even find a word. Annoying, annoyed isn't a good enough word for it. Confuffled. My brain gets confuffled. I have to throw that word in there because that word's been in the back of my mind for quite some time now. <clears throat> and then you had the parents who just listened to any advice came their way and they raised their kids based on that. So now you got these, they're not airheads. But these kids who believe this, the world runs on Skittles and rainbows. Now, I say all that and I'm like, you ask me, Damien, how the hell does that apply to the George Floyd situation? How does it apply to Breonna Taylor situation? How does it apply to any of these black on black violence situations, these blue on black violence situations? What happened to George Floyd was horrible. There's no excuse for it. That cop should go to jail. Anybody who takes anybody else else's life. And I'm not gonna I'm not an absolutist on anything. But if you're gonna take somebody's life, you have to look at the repercussions of your life getting taken as well. I don't agree with that because there can be circumstances where you'd be forced to take somebody's life to defend your own. Does that now mean somebody else has to come take your life? No. But for someone to, with malicious intent, go out of their way, take time out of their day to end somebody else's life. All right. That 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 that's someone who should be removed from society. And from what we see so far, he will be. You know, he's been charged. He's going to see prison time. 25, 35 years. He's a police officer. Throw the book at him. Like everybody says, 8 minutes, 46 seconds, he knelt on his neck. The man was dead. There's a lot of controversy coming up to where some people were saying, oh, police were trained to do that, you know, the police are horrible, this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. I look at it from this perspective. I'm not cutting the cops any slack. But knows the best way to deal with cops? Try your best to avoid them. Try your best to do the things that makes you avoid the police. The circumstance that Floyd was in, and I'm saying this, I'm trying my best to say this extremely carefully. The circumstances that Floyd was in should not have allowed him to die. But he was still engaging in an activity that uh, that would, that 
could have caused him to meet up with the cops. Whether it's a fake 20, whether he was on drugs, doesn't matter what he was on. He should not have died. But he should not have been engaging in activities that should have exposed him to the police interacting with him in his life. A lot of people want to sit down here and say cops are horrible to black people. And I will 100% agree on that where you live. Because when you look at some of these police policies, you look at some of these police training, you look at some of the ways in which these cops are implemented in these areas, the cops are going there because they're told to go there, because they're told that black people are a threat. They're told that black people are committing these crimes. They're quote, told to fill out a quota against black people. So I can fully agree with a lot of people who are out there saying that black people are being victimized and racially profiled by the cops. There are several scenarios where that takes place. And I'll tell you there's a flip side to that coin. There are several scenarios where cops are not being told to do this. Cops are not being told to go to areas to look and hunt down black people. Majority of cops are not told that. What happens is when you get a heavily racially populated area and it's under the influence of, an, of particular individuals, of particular individuals who have biased against black people's behavioral patterns, because the behavioral patterns that portray are the ones of people who grew up in poverty. If anybody knows this, poverty breeds crime. Some crimes could be acts of desperation. If you're in a house and you have two kids crying, begging, I need to eat, I'm hungry. As a parent, you will do anything to feed that child. It doesn't matter if you end up going to jail. You do everything possible to feed that child. You went and looked to the government and the government ignored you. You went and looked to your community, your community didn't help you. So he's like, you know what? I have to go and take the food because there's no way for me to earn it. That's how poverty breeds crime. So these people, I'm not going to say these people like black people should be looked at separately. All right. But at the end of the day, you have people put in situations where they're looking at crime as their last resort. They turn to that resort. Now crime goes up in the area. Now you're looking at a high crime area. Police are then told this is a high crime area. The particular people who are committing these crimes happen to be black. And I'm not going to go back far into history because we can go that, go that route as well. That's a route I'll happily agree with a lot of the older heads on how black people were racially profiled and treated historically. But I'm, if, we're looking at, if we're looking at it from an up-to-date perspective, all right, when you tell an officer, it doesn't even be tell an officer. If you tell an individual, all right, hey, and everybody knows this. I shouldn't even have to explain this. But we all know the parts of the world we're not supposed to go to. We all know the parts of certain countries we're not supposed to go to. All right, go there at your own risk. So what happens when you create an area like this? Whether it's Chicago, whether it's certain parts of New York, whether it's certain parts of California, all right, as they say, the ghettos. If you go to certain parts of white America, all right, certain parts of the boondies or certain parts of the mountains, all right, you go to certain parts where poverty is rampant, crime follows. So let's make this a black thing. We look at a black neighborhood that's poor where crime is high. And you tell these police officers, crime is high in this area and the majority of the people in that area are black. The cops go in there with this mentality, black people are violent because of the crime that's in the area. 
So they ignore the poverty perspective. They ignore the rule. The, the 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 how should I put it? The stereotypes. All right. No, no. I'm not going to say they ignore the stereotypes. They feed in to the stereotypes that's placed on these people, and they go in there with this mindset. That's why I don't give the cops a leeway on this. I really don't. Because if you, from the time you put on that badge and you strap that gun to your hip, you have to understand the responsibility that comes with it. You can't sit down and say, my superiors told me. You can't sit down and say, well, the stats they gave me. Your first and foremost job was to uphold the Constitution. So when you're going into these situations, you shouldn't be thinking about the quotas you have to make. All right, The rules your superiors gave you. You're going in there to deal with human beings, although they may be acting irrationally and although they may not be acting like human beings. You're going in there to deal with these human beings. And your first objective is to make sure their rights are preserved and the law is given to them justly. That is what you do when you go into those situations. I'm not a cop. I can see this freely online. I could be horrifically wrong. Alright? I can be horrifically wrong what I'm saying. I'll take that. I'll bite that bullet. But the way in which I'm looking at it is as a police officer, you're supposed to go into these situations looking at those things first. These are human beings. I have to treat them as such. I have to try my best to de-escalate a highly intense situation depending on what it could be. Alright? And put my life at risk. Now when you put a cop through that, that cop's mentality breaks down. We'll get to that one in another podcast. So now we have the cops going into this situation. All right? We have individuals who are forced to take up particular actions. All right? Because that's the only way of life that they know. Because, like I said, poverty breeds crime. Crime in an area. Majority of people in these crime in the areas have to be black. Cops going with stereotypes in their mind. They're hyped up facing the situation. All right? Then we have the kids who do not respect authority. We have the kids who grew up being told everything should be done for them. We have the kids who didn't give them, who didn't have the necessary attention given to them to teach them about right and wrong, to teach them how to deal with cops. I don't think any parent should have a sit down with their kids saying, hey son, because of the color of your skin, you're supposed to view cops this way. I think the sit down you have with the cops is, hey son or daughter, if you see the police officer pull you over, just do what they say. If something bad happens, we'll take it up in court. Plain and simple. We live in a messed up world where that may not work out fairly. We live in a messed up world where that may not work out evenly. We live in a messed up world where people may abuse the powers that they have. But I always look at it from this perspective. If a cop is pulling you over and he's already made up in his mind that he's going to take you to the police station or he's going to put you in a cell... He already has that in his mind, whether he has to plant drugs on you or to rile you up to make sure you get violent with him. He already has that in his mind. The only thing you can do is meet the situation as calmly, as rationally as possible. If you got to pull your phone out and record, pull your phone out and record. Cop pulls up. Hey, officer, what was I doing wrong? I don't agree with you on that. You're going to give me a ticket. Oh, you want me to come out of the car? I'm going to come out of the car. What do I have to do? I want to get home to my family. 
That's your objective at that point in time in dealing with the police officer. We should not have to feel that way. And that's why I'm upset with the police. I'm upset with the powers that be that make people feel as though the, this interaction with this police officer could end badly. We should not have to feel that way. Nobody should have to feel that way. The police should have to feel as though I don't want to feel like I, I have to be hyped, hyped up and going into a stressful environment. I should be able to treat everybody fairly. I should be able to treat everybody justly. I should be able to treat pe people based on the fact that they're human beings and not based on the color of their skin. Police should be able to go in a situation thinking that. We should have interactions with the police that our minds are clear and calm. <clears throat> so we have the kids who don't respect, respect authority. Right? We have poor parenting being given to these kids. And their views on life are skewed. And I hope... If I'm bouncing all over the place, I apologize. But I hope you can bear with me and connect the, 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 the trail of breadcrumbs I've been putting down to get to this point. Where the parenting that's been given to these individuals causes them to make poor life decisions. That causes them to get them into worse situations. And these bad situations can then escalate because they don't know who they're dealing with. I will stress it again, George Floyd shouldn't have died. But I want to make this to be more important. George Floyd shouldn't have been put in, shouldn't been making any decision that puts him in a situation where he has to deal with police. George Floyd is different from all the other cop shootings because this cop wanted to kill him. It it's I'm I'm let me let me correct myself for that. This cop Made it look as though he wanted to kill him. Everybody would sit down here and say, yes, the cop wanted to kill him because all these different things. Okay, fine. I personally don't know. I don't know what was going through the cop's mind. I'm not a mind reader. But he gave all evidence leading to the fact that he looked as though he wanted to kill that man. You had people constantly begging and pleading, get off the man. You had... Even the man himself begging for his dead mother. Clearly, if someone's begging for their dead mother, they're not even there anymore. <clears throat> so that's what I have to say about the George Floyd situation is though he should not have died. I'm going to stress out that is first and foremost, he should not have died. But he should not have been in a situation that could have caused the police to could have caused the police to be there. And there are going to be some older heads and some people who had some bad run-ins with the cops who are going to come back and then say some of the cops are looking for it. Some of the cops... And I, I, I agree with you on that to a certain extent. Because when these cops are being put on some insane quotas in black neighborhoods, in black counties, they put some insane... There's a couple of police videos I watched as a retired police officer. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can pull up that video and talk about it more next time. Where he says, if you look at some of the quotas they put in these black communities, where it's like it's completely unfair. You, you pull a black person over just because they're black. Like if you were to pull a white person over, they could have twice as much drugs, guns, weapons, and have twice as many violations against them. But you're not, you're not in the community to 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 do that against a white person. But in a black community, they're they're 
heavily racially profiled just because people tell them, hey, black communities have more violence. All right. And I say black communities have more violence because they tend to be impoverished communities. And that's what escalates the violence. That's what escalates their criminal activities in those communities. Now, there are going to be people who are just downright evil within the black communities. We have a lot of, like, straight up evil people in the black communities. And I'm getting to that one in another podcast. <clears throat> so that's me talking about the George Floyd situation. How do I connect that to all the other situations and shootings and everything like that? And why I say the George Floyd one is 180 180 degrees different for what happened to Mr. Richard Brooks. Some people would say it's the same thing. Cops kill the black man. Nah. No, 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 no. Richard Brooks, I watched that video. I watched I watched the 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 the, the police cam video and it was like if I'm ever arrested for drunk driving, that's how I want to be arrested. Let's put it that way. No pun intended. But it's like to fall asleep in a drive-thru with the car on. And then have the car par- parked. You get out. You're offered the sobriety test. You're offered the breath- breathalyzer. You failed the breathalyzer. And I get it. Richard was like, hey, let me sleep it off. Let me get an Uber. Let me Let me do all these things. I'm like, hey, dude, you're an adult. All right? You knew what the crime was. You did the crime. That's like me like doing a crime and then asking the people who caught me, hey, man, just let me go. That's like me robbing someone. They caught me. I'm like, hey, I'll give it back. Just let me go. Like I didn't I didn't kill anybody. I didn't break anything. You know, I didn't get into an accident while I was drunk. I mean, I get it. I was drunk. I endangered people's lives. I put my own life at risk. I put other people's lives at risk by driving drunk. I get it. But it didn't happen, so you can cut me some slack, right? Rashad, rest in peace, and I get what you were trying to do. But at the end of the day, the damage was already done. First and foremost, you already drove drunk. That was already the crime. You already committed the crime. I do not think you should have died for that. You should not have been shot and died, Rashad Brooks. But at the same time, when these officers reasoned with you, they they took you out of your car and talked to you and everything like that. And there's one part in the video that stood out to me where the officer said, hey, you're too drunk to be driving. I need you to put your hands behind your back. A lot of people, you got to listen to that part right there. You got to listen to it carefully. I'll watch it again. But from my memory, the cop didn't say, I'm going to take you to the station. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. He could have said that. But what the cop said was like, you're too drunk to be driving. All right. For all we know, the cop was going to probably give him a ride home. Now, I, I would love to, for that to be the case. But we all know, majority of people here know, a lot majority of people here are thinking, hey, he's going to the station. All right, the dude was drunk driving. They're going to take him in. They're going to process him, you know. That's it for you, bro. It's drunk driving. That that's a that's a, I think it's a felony where they're at. I don't think it's a misdemeanor. 
But from my memory, I, I didn't hear the cops saying, we're going to have to take you in. I could be wrong. He probably could have said that, and it probably just slipped past my ears. I watched it twice, two, three times, four times. I watched it a good bit of times because I'm trying to be like, you know, maybe the people are right for this one. Maybe this is another bad cop. But in all honesty, I'm looking at this cop, and he was like, he talked with the dude. He reasoned with them. He was like, yo, dude, you can't, you, you're too drunk to be driving, man. You, you fell asleep in your car in the drive-thru, man. Come on. You're too drunk to be driving. So let's just say, let's just say the officer was going to give him a ride home. Officer standard protocol, they got to put the cuffs on you if they're going to put you in the backseat of the car, man. And from the time they put the cuffs on him, fight breaks out. You know, one thing leads to another. And now this dude got three bullets in the back, his back. I think it was three. It could have been, it could have been more, could have been less. Rashad, you shouldn't have died. But at the same time, why did you fight with the officers, man? Now, new evidence comes out where they're saying, hey, he had prior convictions. He was on parole. If he got arrested again, he was going to go to jail. And then flight or flight instincts kicked in. He's like, I don't want to go to jail. I'm going to try and fight these officers so I don't go to jail. I'm not in Rashad's shoes. I don't know if I I probably could have probably could have done the same thing. Like I said, my main objective when I get pulled pulled over by the cops, when I go out at night, my job is to get home. Like I always have this joke with my wife. She's like, "Oh, you going out? This, that, the other." You know, we a little joking game back and forth. Oh, you going out? You gonna be with some girls and this, that, the other? I'm like, so what if I go out, go out with some girls? I'm coming back home. You best believe I'm coming back home. They don't got what you got. <laughs> right? It's a little joke, but my main objective as a husband and father is to get home. Rashard Brooks was a father. His main objective was probably just that, to get home. That's probably what he was thinking. I got to get home. If these cops arrest me, I'm going to go down. I'm probably going to go back to jail. I'm probably going to be in the precinct. They're just going to process me, put court case. I'm not going to get home. If I got to fight to get home, I got to fight to get home. That's what's probably going through his mind. But at the end of the day, you got to sit down and think, man, you already did the crime. The crime was drunk driving. It was already done. You already, as they say, you already made that bed. You got to sleep in it, bro. And I don't like the idea of you having to take a dirt nap now. I don't like that idea, but that's, that's a choice you made at that point in time. That's the contrast I draw for the Shard Brooks. All right. And Mr. Floyd. It's, a, it's two different things right there. Both men were black. Both men were killed by police officers. There's no doubt in that. But. It's two different situations, man. So. What's going on right now is that people are saying all cops are bad. And the crazy part is the people who are saying this the most are probably the people who had the best experiences with cops. The most they probably got is a ticket, a violation, a summons, a warning. 
That's probably what they got from cops. And they think all cops are bad for that. I'll say this, man. All cops are not bad. I have met a lot of good cops. A lot of good cops. I've been pulled over by a couple of good cops. Good cops have even get, given me tickets. They straight up told me, like, hey, you know, dude, I understand you're having a good time, but that's a moving violation. I got to write you up. I'm like, all right, bro. I really hate this. I really don't want this. Is there anything you can do to not give me this? <laughs> nah, man, you ready to do the crime. I hear you. That's the reason why I'm viewing that whole George Floyd situation. So somebody asks, like, how does this connect with bad parenting? Aaron, you, you carried us on this rant all over the place. Like you, you spent the first half an hour of the video telling us about parent previous generations and, and parenting styles, and then you just drop a bombshell on us with the whole Floyd and Richard Brooks. And it's like, what does this have to do with parenting? My parents pulled me to the side when I got my license, and even before I got my license, multiple times. Yes, officer. No, officer. Understood, officer. I will comply, officer. Okay, officer. Thank you, officer. Have a good day. My parents told me my objective was to get home. My parents taught me how to respect authority. My parents made sure that it was in my best interest to make sure you pick and choose your battles. There are some battles that you can't avoid. So you have to fight them wisely. Why is it that some people believe street justice is the best way to pick a fight? I don't know. They may think that the, 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 the odds work out in their favor. Who knows? My parents taught me how to deal with cops. My parents also taught me how to look at situations from the outside in. We have generations of kids who do not know how to look at cops, do not know how to deal with cops. We have kids going out protesting against cops right now. There are a lot of bad cops out there. They're not the majority, but it's a lot of them. One bad cop is too many. For the amount of authority that they have, one bad cop is too many. So that's why I say we have a lot. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the police. We can't do that. But at the same time, we can demand better We should demand better. We are demanding better. And we should expect better. Any police officer that listens to this, you are in a position of authority. With that position, 
comes responsibility. Serve and protect. And those officers who are out there who are doing that, thank you. The officers who are not there, I mean, the officers who are out there who are not doing that, you brought this on yourself. I mean, look at what you did through a history of cops doing the wrong thing. Look what you're doing to this nation. Now it goes 50-50. I hold the parents responsible as well. If we had raised our kids to be better, if we had taken more time to teach our kids how to de-escalate a situation, if there's so many ifs, I mean, some people think like being a black man in America is the most dangerous thing there is in the world. Some parts of America, yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to sit down here and be like, come on, no, the, being black in America ain't dangerous, man. Try this, try that. I was like, no, nah, certain parts of America, being black in America, you, certain parts of America, you don't want to be black. All right? I mean, we see the jokes and we see the memes and the videos where it's like, it, there's a funny one where a dude, like, he's getting pulled over, a black guy getting pulled pull over by the police, and he's like, he sees some some baby powder right next to him, so he covers himself in baby powder. And the cop pulls up, he looks a little white. So the police officer's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you have a good day. Some people really feel like that. And I'm sorry you feel that way. Most of the time when I see a cop in my, my review, it's like, was I speeding? Wasn't I speeding? Are my tanks up to date? I, 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 could, I could have done something wrong, but I probably didn't. Let me see what he wants. Pulls up, license registration. You know, you know you're doing like 84 in a, in a 65. I was like, uh, honestly, I thought I was doing 75. My apologies, I didn't see that. All right, my speedometer is probably saying 75. I probably got to get my speedometer checked. He's like, yeah. No, I'm going to just let you off with a warning, man, you know. I've just been real with him. Sometimes a cop will be like, nah, man, you, you, you were doing 85. All right, I was like, I, I disagree, but okay. Here's a ticket. All right. I'll see you in court. We'll hash this one out. Majority of times, cops are just trying to make quota. If they got to go to court and be like, hey, at least I made my techie quota already. All right. What's this here? Okay. Well, defendant says he wasn't doing 84. Well, did you, what was the last time you had your, 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 your instruments checked? Oh, your instruments haven't been readily checked. What's the logs on those? Okay. We're going to throw the ticket out. Boom. The cop can be wrong at times, but trying to fight the cop in the middle of the street is not the best idea. Fight him in a courtroom where you guys are viewed as equals. And he still might be viewed as a little bit higher because he's a police officer. But at the end of the day, fight him on a ground where you know you're fighting somewhat evenly. Kids aren't being taught that. Kids are being taught that if you yell and scream loud enough, you can get your way. I don't agree with the kids, but I do agree with the adults who have actually been through some stuff. I agree with the adults who have actually suffered real police brutality. I agree with the adults 
who've actually been prosecuted and victimized and actually racially profiled. Who lived in communities where the cops were just looking to start some shit. And forgive my language, but I agree with those adults. I agree with those people who've been through that. They should be the ones out there protesting. They should be the ones out there marching. Those are the ones whose voices should be heard. Situations like Joy Floyd should never happen. Situations like Rashad Brooks should never have been should have never escalated to that point. Now if you want to get to the no knock warrants, that's a different story. Everybody's wrong in that one. <laughs> there was no knock warrants. What happened with um that young lady? She was asleep in her house, cops had a no knock warrant. Kicked open the door, guns blazing, she gets killed. Everybody should go down for that. The politicians who passed that, the judge who 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 gave the warrant, what kind of sane judge gives a no-knock warrant? Hey, I get it. There's some pretty bad people out there you want to catch. And you know, when someone is doing some really grimy stuff and you want to be able to you you know. You know that that person over there is doing something wrong. And you're limited by the law because you have, have to upload the, uphold the Constitution for everyone. Even for those who may be breaking it under some guise or another. You still have to play by the rules and other people are breaking the rules. But no-knock warrants is just a bad idea in my book, man. My mind could probably be changed on it, but that's a real bad idea. And I'm gonna get. I, I want to get into that in a different in a, in a different podcast because that's that's scary to know that police can get a no knock warrant on me. I hear a bump in the night. I go downstairs swinging, and next thing you know, I get dropped. The cops say, "Well, he attacked us first. You broke in his house. What do you expect?" Oh, but we got a no knock warrant. Well, that just makes it good. That makes it okay if the police are acting just like criminals under the guise of the law. I don't agree with those things. Our justice system has a lot of issues. But I can tell you this. The justice system... For now, is more good than bad. We'll see what the future holds. I'm going to wrap this one up because this one's a little bit of a two-parter. Because I gave a lot of introduction as to why I think the escalation of what's going on is like bad parenting with how the kids, they don't understand what's going on. People are picking sides and don't fully understand what's going on. People are making decisions and they don't fully understand what's going on. I stress these kids, people, I say kids, but there's some of them that are even my age who agree with some of these ideas that don't really know what's going on. They lack information. They lack knowledge. They lack understanding. They lack reasoning capabilities. It's like, I'm looking at how many things things these kids lack and they're going to make decisions that's going to cause them to lose out on a lot more. And I feel sorry for them. And I mostly blame the previous generation. If you probably parented a little bit better, 
I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have a, a video dedicated just for parenting skills, and I'll pull some data, some stats, and sort of stuff I've been reading for you guys. If we if really just sat down and just parented a little bit better, some of these kids wouldn't be marching to, to abolish the police like that. That's an insane idea, man. Better discipline the police, better tracking of the police, change some of the rules that these police have been using. I can agree with that. No longer racially profiling or having heady, heavy and insane quotas in certain black neighborhoods. I can agree with that. No, nope, we're going to get rid of the cops altogether. Now it reminds me, reminds me of all those episodes they put on TV, especially like when this TV show was on, My Wife and Kids. They're like, uh, we want we, we to live without rules, Dad. All right, we want to see what it's like to live without rules. You know, three kids. The first day, the first kid cracked. And Dad was like, oh, since you don't live without rules, I'm not going to be the one feeding y'all. Make your own food. First kid cracked. Second kid cracked when it was like, Dad wasn't waking him up for school and helping out with stuff. All right. And the third kid lasted the longest, but he ended up cracking because he ended up getting locked out of the house and he had to sleep outside on his own and all that kind of crap. Like, these people don't understand what happens when you remove the police. That's when the real monsters come out. That's when the real bad guys show up. Now, granted, I think you should be taking full responsibility for yourself to the point where you shouldn't be relying on the police for certain things. That's just me. But nobody's a superhero. Nobody can see everything. The, the police is there for that extra backup. The police are supposed to be on your side at all times. And that extra backup does come in handy when you're dealing with people who are just out to get you. <clears throat> Again, another podcast. Like this, As you can tell right now, I just kind of dove into this subject right here because a lot of people were asking me to talk about it. And I told myself... You know, when I get some more time to get into the podcast, I'll start putting some more information out there. I just mainly want to jump on the COVID and the George Floyd um, killing while it was still hot, to be honest with you. Um, while it was still relevant. Uh, I was trying to jump on the train. Some people say I got it too late. We'll find out. You know, I'll let the listeners do the talking. Speaking of listeners do the talking, so... The only thing I have right now for figuring things out is my Twitter. Uh, it's AJDC Split. So if you want to leave me any information or anything like that, I just made it. I used to use it for other dumb crap, but I was figuring like, you know what? Let me let me take this thing seriously. If people need to contact me on my Twitter, if you want to drop comments, if you want to drop ideas, if you want to let me know what I need to get done, what needs to be done, what I need to work on. Just give me some feedback, and I'll try to see if I can perfect it. Um, easiest way to find my podcast is on Spotify, Split Personality. You should find it there. This is going to be episode five. So let me know what you guys think about that. Um, I'll see if I could also... Uh, I think I shared this also on um, Instagram as well. So I have an Instagram. I cannot remember what my Instagram name is. I think my Instagram name is uh, DC17Shade. So check that one out. <clears throat> um, and like I said, I'm, I'm going to figure out this social media game piece by piece, bit by bit to get a better understanding of how I can get this information out to a, a, a much wider audience. 
some people get into podcasting you think they can they 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 want to be popular and make money off of it honestly i really don't care if i don't make a dime i just believe like if i have some information or any insight or what i may say may be helpful to anyone out there i just want to get out to the people who want to listen and have some form of improvement or some form of benefit from me that's what it's mainly for but if you want to send me money i'll take it (laughs) but again this is your boy damian charles um everybody have a wonderful night be safe and i'll catch you guys on the next episode